Mic check one two one two. What it do? Yeah, and we recording too. You feel me? Now, what's going on, fellas? You know, what I'm saying we welcome another episode of Modeling and Power Narratives. I'm your co-host Jordan Flowers. We're my boys Jacob Hill, Trey Mo, and we are in the cut, as you can see, because we all shaded up. I don't know why I'm rhyming so much, but it's good to be back with my boys. What's going on, fellas? And it's personal this episode. That's all I gotta say. It's, it's personal. personal. It's personal. Man. Yeah, I, I feel that. Got a lot to lose. It's this personal, episode. man. <laughs> we definitely got a lot to lose this episode, but you know, it's only one way to start this episode. I need y'all to bear with me one time. Give me my theme music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. oh. Okay, 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 yeah, get right. Okay, yeah, he, he's definitely not getting right. Yeah, hit that, hit that, hell, hit it. Yeah, you know what it is, man. You know who the theme of the episode is. It's Coach Prime, and this episode is about unpacking that Louis luggage he was talking about at that initial press conference. He said he was bringing his Louis. He brought his Louis, but we don't know if it's really Louis right now. It's looking like no, Louis, but that's Louis. not a <laughs> It's still Louis. No, we love <laughs> – it's not. It's definitely Louis, but – um, just to get into this episode a little bit, bro. Uh, obviously, you know, Coach Prime is the the head coach over there at University of Colorado. Um, we'll get into hell. Obviously, wearing a shirt, you were there um, a couple weeks back, so I'm gonna ask you a little bit about that. But I want to get into the footballs before we get into like dissecting what's going on around Coach Prime and the media and all that. But they're a four and four team, right? Um, they started off hot with that run against uh, TCU. Um, here recently they lost a, I don't even know how you lose that game against Stanford. Uh, that was just really, really yeah. bad. Um, they drop another one at UCLA. Um, so yeah, man, like they're, they're just, they're in a really tough spot though. Yeah. They're in a really tough spot, but they're sitting at four and four right now, fellas. And from our perspective, like, you know, to, to from, I wouldn't even say the outside perspective, we kind of look at it in either one or two ways. One, they were a one eleven team, so it's like, okay, how much turnaround? I mean, this is pretty much a success in defining the, like the books of what a standard should be for a new coach. But it's Coach Prime we're talking about. So the hype was around when we had week one. People were talking about what this is a uh, college football playoff team. Yeah, that was a little crazy, bro. Wow, just a wild thing altogether. But from just the excellence and O's kind of standpoint. I want to go to you, Trey, first. 
what are you seeing from the Colorado football team and where is kind of deficits? What are the good parts just from the X's and O's standpoint? I really think like when Dion went and was bringing people in, in the skill layer positions, like quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, for those who don't know what skill players are, like those guys, he went and he grabbed some of the best. He grabbed the best of the best. And Shadur, their quarterback, was actually turns out to be his son. So it didn't, there was no recruiting that had to be done. But he's right. one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now. You have Travis Hunter playing both ways, top recruit. Amazing guy, Absolutely. great athlete, things like that. And then you have other guys that are just stepping up, making plays all the time. He went and found playmakers, and I think that's something that he did really well with. And that's how they were able to beat, like, TCU and um, teams like that because they did have the caliber of players as everybody else and some of the best of the best, like the Alabamas, the Georgias, and those people. He just, just where they lack as a team is basically in the O-line and D-line department. And overall, like the trenches win football games, everybody knows it. So if you don't have a very good O line, you don't recruit heavy O line, then it's kind of hard to be have a good run game, be able to let your quarterback sit back and throw deep routes, like things like that. And I think uh, before I shift off to you, Hill, um, the other thing that I think people weren't taking into a, you know perspective as well, particularly early in the season, is attrition and health. Because, you know, coming in, like, people were – we already knew that they were – there was a lack of depth. I think they had, like, how many people they had transferring, like, 80-something. Like, it was crazy, yeah, it like, was, crazy numbers. And the whole team, pretty much, the whole team, I think they had, like, one starter that returned on uh, yeah. overall from the last year, the previous team. And so um, I think the the depth thing came in the part now. We were in week eight, you know, injuries start to pile up. When we were talking about week one, everybody's healthy, bro. Everybody's healthy. So depth is not really, you know, what's the name? That's not really a, a big factor. Two, um, the O-line is fresh. The D-line is fresh. They haven't been grinding for seven, eight weeks, you know, again, piling up those injuries. So like you said, the deficits were there, but they were also very fresh. So they didn't really get tested on that, like the week ones and the twos. So for you, Hell, I'm going to ask the same question. What are you kind of seeing in terms of the X's and O's of, what Colorado football is displaying or has displayed up until this point. Yeah, well, as you guys know, uh, I we all play college football, but I particularly did play offensive line. So from what I see from that offensive line, well, there's two parts to it. In terms of a position group, that's one of the few position groups where I believe chemistry really matters. Um, right. You get a five-star receiver, it's a five-star receiver. doesn't matter how you get them, when you get them, it's a five-star receiver, right? You get really right. good alignment, but all the alignment have to be on the same page or else you're going to look terrible. doesn't matter what star recruit or what you have put together. Um, you have to have that chemistry, and that just comes with time. So with that quick turnaround and trying to get brand new of everyone, uh, you, it's clear that the old line is suffering. That's part of the reason why. It's just that they just haven't been playing together long enough to really understand each other, understand where they are in the gaps and how that works, right? Uh, so that's kind of what I'm seeing right. there. Um, definitely there's a size issue going on there. Um, old line, not the flashiest group of people you've ever seen. So <laughs> no, uh, not the at biggest all. thing we're recruiting for old line 
you want to see consistency. You want to see a coach that produces star offensive linemen to the next level, right? And you're just not going to get that with a brand new coach. That's not going to be enticing for the average offensive line recruit, right? So uh, right. it's just going to take time. Hopefully going into next year, he'll get some more of uh, the size caliber of what he's looking for. I mean, even something like a strength and conditioning coach, your first year, you got to throw out the whole strength program, start up new. So all those things just take time. Right. So it's a mixture of size and chemistry. That's, that's really you see as the problem there. Uh, and then getting a taste at the rest of the group, uh, you know, as good as the offense is, you got to understand that if you have a defense that's going to score, that's not going to hold anyone to anything, you know, you're bound to lose games. So you see that with uh, USC. As good as USC is, and mm-hmm. it's probably the best offensive team in the country, they probably have one of the worst defensive teams, uh, at least in the Power Five, and that's kind of the result of right. it. Is that does you know you can score fifty, but if you defense lets fifty every game, that just puts so much more pressure on your offense, and it's bound to crack eventually. And just with Colorado, they just cracked early. Uh, they ran into some good teams, yeah. some future playoff teams, definitely high bowl game teams, you know, uh, New York or New Year's Six type of teams. Uh, and right. you just get shut down. And you have an offense where you feel like instead of going 50, I got to score 80. You know, it just seems like the impossible. And then the offense wants to play perfect. And then they're just going to get interceptions and mistakes left and right. So it's a lot of pressure on them. And that's what you find so- where you see the break in these last couple of games. It's just – the offense just gets fatigued. Every game you feel yeah. like you have to be perfect. Yeah. Every game you feel like you have to score 40, 50 points just to stay in the game. It's going to add up after a while. Like you said, those but injuries I, add up. But I think you know, all those extra snaps. That I think, too, like and what I was going to say, too, bro, uh, just to you know, hit on your point um, is I think just continuing, you know, the perspective of the O-line thing. And I think the the outside viewer like if you didn't play football or you don't kind of understand what's going on with the football game like like you said Trey earlier you said the game is one in the trenches right the the thing of it is it's like because if you're a um everyday you know average joe that's just a football fan and maybe don't really know like the how the game is played or where it's won we you know and just the stardom of skill players so the travis hunters the uh, uh horn the receiver Weaver, uh, Dylan Edwards, the phenomenal freshman running back, uh, Shador with the personalities. We kind of push the stars, which rightfully so, because those are the ones, you know, scoring the touchdowns. But there is the the collective part of, well, if we're not getting pressure on the quarterback and if we're not, you know, blocking for our quarterback, none of these things are going to be able to happen in terms of them being able to showcase their skill. I don't care if Travis Hunter or we, Xavier Weaver is getting open every play. If Shador don't have the time to throw, thing in the ball and you can't really see the you know no, the talent gap or whatever the case may be right and so um i think that from the exit just to wrap this all up in terms of the exit and o's i think you see a very flawed team you see a really fun team everybody's still tuning in i just i still tuned in to the ucla game even though they had lost to stanford i mean i think that's a really really important part and that's segueing into our you know our next topic is the pushback on Dion, and I'm going to start on one avenue of the pushback. Um, people, I don't think they understand from the perspective of a, a black male or just the black community as a whole. Dion embodies some something of like a, 
immortal figure for us. Let's call it for what it is. Like the, you know, because he's that outlier. Is I mean, not only is he a black male doing the things that he's doing and disrupting and all that jazz that we're talking about, but he's doing it with a, such a confidence and all that. And I think it's deeply rooted into the fact that you know one of the things I think we all learned growing up is what be humble. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having humility, but we're always taught to kind of like dim our light as black men. We even though we know that we're good at whatever perspective thing that we're good at. And so I just wanted to get your perspective on that as well. Do you think that there is not to say that there is racist intentions, but do you believe that some of the narratives around Dion is because one, he's a black male that has exuberant confidence in what he's able to do? And how do you kind of see like the pushback? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's not? And I'll go to you, Trey. What, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I would definitely say that because of his skin color that he does get treated differently and he gets more of a stricter leash, I would say, than a lot of other mm-hmm. coaches and a lot of more people. Like he said it in a press conference one time, he's like, these people aren't trying to beat these kids in our team. They're trying to beat me. Like they're all like he gets more pressure along with, I would also say like he does like we get it. He's in the hall of fame. He's the greatest DB ever. At the same time, he gets a lot of, like, negative pushback, I would say, because of um, being a black coach. And I feel like black coaches are held to a higher standard than other coaches. Absolutely. Um, Just to even go back uh, to even, like, like with Lovey Smith, though, like, and before you go, Hale, I want to – because I want to hit on this point. I'm going to let you go right quick. But I want to hit on this point, like, even, like, the Lovey Smiths of the world – we saw, you know, legendary Chicago Bears coach, but we also saw the fact that um, what he did with the Texans, they're putting really impossible situations. And this is a conversation for another day. But like you said, Trey, what was he supposed to do with this Texans team? And they end up, you know, subsequently firing him. So like the leash is very much shorter for Blacks coaches. And we could call it spade a spade, Brian Flores and what happened to him with the Miami Dolphins, even though there's other factors involved. To act like, let's not discredit the fact that we have seen over time that these black coaches get put in impossible situations, don't, and they have a shorter lease to do it. And I just hope that that doesn't happen with Dion. But what the other part of Dion is, he's Dion. He's not just a black coach. It's Dion. So that's another, yeah, that's another part of it as well. But go ahead, Hell, with what you were going to say. Yeah, well, uh, you guys discussed the racial aspect, and I do agree. And as an add-on to it, outside of the racial aspect of it, um, you know, well, maybe it is racial aspect, but, you know, for the black community, you know, uh, we, Dion's kind of a superhero. Uh, you see, especially in sports where you have someone that's that good, that dominant, whatever he says happens, right. You know, uh, throughout time, it's always been glorified and everyone loves a superhero. And that's definitely what people feel. I mean, it's funny, but I was at a bar watching the Colorado Colorado State game at 1 a.m. Right, and it's mm-hmm. crazy to see everyone was tuned into that game. And I think to myself, you know, I never stayed up for a 1 a.m. game, but in general, I never really watched the Pac-12 like that, just because their game started so right. late, and I'd like to do other things, right? So uh, just that effect that he had during that time and the stretch, and you know, he still has it, but. Definitely those first couple games, you know, that that meant a lot. And 
the way you root for him and the narratives that were being that he created were were amazing. But uh, another thing is is that you know, like you guys say, he's a unicorn. He's an anomaly. Uh, he breaks the status quo in every stretch of the imagination. And you can even look from when he was at Jackson State um, in the swag. Uh, he just everything the way he carried himself, what he was talking about. He challenged the exact system that he was working in and still dominated, right? right. Even in the swag, there's a lot of things he called out in the swag of things that he would like to change, right? At the same time, he was blowing these teams out. So that type of confidence and the ability to succeed, a lot of people, it rose people the wrong way because it's not something you typically see. And for a lot of people in a confidence aspect, they don't feel like they can do something like that. So to watch someone else do it the way that they would dream to do it definitely rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think like you said with the confidence piece too, like is um, going back to the humility part, like this is not an end of, again, I want to, there is a racial aspect and there's a Dion aspect. And I think it's, there's blurred lines there, but, but again, to they, they kind of I'm not going to say they in a sense of white people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the collective people that don't like when the status quo is balanced, when it's pushed back, particularly if you work in that. Yeah, like if you work in that kind of environment and they like, for example, if I if if I'm a coach, right, let's call it spade a spade. Y'all know that's my favorite saying, but like let's call it spade a spade. Right. If I'm a coach and I had to become a quality control manager. I had to be you do that for three years and then be an assistant for 10 years and then get my first head coaching gig and then get demoted, then become a head coach. And then 30, 40 years of that for me to finally get my shot. And then I think the pushback was that, bro, I dedicated my whole life to this and you kind of get that shot because you're Dion or whatever the case might be. I think that was an angle that a lot of people were taking. I think the other part of it is too is like you got all these transfers and like it's very anti-culture because call it call it for what it is, particularly with college football. A lot of coaches talk about what do they talk about? We want to build a culture here, right? A culture. And if the culture is a lot of transfers and it's not like we just building something up, which first it's a dumb thing because he's a first year coach and he wants to win. So you have to have the transfer portal. But secondly, it's like, no, nah, we doing it the right way by having all of our guys in house and we don't do the transfer portal and stuff like that. Yeah, bro. So um, for you, Trey, like what are you seeing with the pushback that's coming from him, particularly with how he's going about the way that he do things? And again, not to discredit that this is Dion we're talking about. It's not just a black man. This is Dion. What do you see? So one thing I will say is that um, – Good example is what we all have sunglasses on like hats and that was brought up in an right. interview from the colorado state coach which is also a fellow black coach even saying that like mm-hmm. my my parents raised me and my mother taught me that i should take my glasses off when people are talking to me and things like that like that's just pushback he gets for what wearing sunglasses like why can't he wear sunglasses what's the big deal about it it's not like he's being disrespectful in his answers it's not like He's being disrespectful to reporters and not even answering questions. He gladly answers questions, stays there longer than most coaches stay there answering everything and still doing it in his own way, using his own charisma and that swag that he's always brought as since we've been started watching it. 
Right. And I think too, like on a personal level, like it strikes something. And this is something that I told you. And I want to make this a little bit psychological and I'm going to go back to what we were talking about. But um, I remember I'll bring this up really, really quickly. I had a friend of mine, y'all. This is my guy, man. Maybe we'll have him on the pod one day, but he was like, he, he guys, he has like a confidence about himself, bro. And it used to rub me the wrong way. Like, I used to get in arguments about it. I'm like, bro, why he thinks so highly of himself, bro? Like, it used to piss me off, bro, for real, for real. Until I got into a space where I started to feel confident about the things that I was doing, knowing that I was good at something and doing that. And from that onset, like, I remember having a conversation because he's doing a lot of great things. And I, we'll talk about more about him off air. But I, I remember having to go to him and apologize, like, bro, I didn't understand why you walked around with this confidence. But me doing the podcast, me doing all these great things, like you develop a sense of like, bro, like I really am doing this. I can do this at a high level. And I think with Dion, it strikes something personally in somebody when he knows that he's good at something and he's going to tell you that he's good at it and he's going to do it. And that bothers people like, like me, like I, how I used to be, because there's a lot of insecurities within, within oneself. And I think him being authentic is the best thing for him, one. And I think it's the best thing for college football because at the end of the day, if you know you're good at something, why do we always have to take a step? Now, am I sitting there saying that everybody has to be a Dion and be flashy and all that? No. If that's not your personality, that's not your personality. But why do we always press upon people, be humble, have some humility, like always deflect what we're good at instead of embracing that we're good at this? No, we know we're good at this, bro. Like we know that we have worked hard to put ourselves in this position. So, uh, to your point, hell, like, what are, how do you feel in terms of his confidence? Does that rub people the wrong way? Do people like it? In your sense, what are, what do you make of that? Absolutely, it rubs people the wrong way, and it's the same argument I think uh, or discussion that we had when it regards with social media. How younger people look at social media, they see younger people winning, and it messes up their self-esteem because they don't have the nice cars and the fancy houses and things like that, right? And um, that's on a personal level, especially with yourself. You're the type of person that sees success, and if you see too much success, it's it's rubbing you in the wrong way, then you're looking at it from a bad perspective. You know, you need to look at it as a sense of motivation that you could get there. You have to have the confidence to believe that you can get there. And um, I guess there's a lot of sayings for this, but one thing that I try to live by, but just general good advice is that if you're a winner, you're just a winner. You know, if you're good, you're just good. There's no reason to apologize for being good. There's no reason to apologize when you win, right? You did the work, right? You did the hard work. You got to that level. There's no reason for you to look back and say, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry you guys are still there. Um, you know, I really wish you guys would be up here with me. Yeah, you really don't have to do that, right? And that could come off as arrogant. Right. But for the people who think that comes off as arrogant, I push back on that and say, hey, if I actually did all that hard work in the background when no one believed in me, no one cared what I was doing, and people maybe even making fun of me, right? Now I get to the point to where I'm winning. And I, I feel like I've earned that to be like, okay, I'm winning. This is me winning. Yeah, this is why right, I look right, right. And to a sense, you know, that that's what Dion's doing. Dion has that confidence. It's like, I was born a winner. I've been winning. And then he goes out and continues to win. 
And that will forever rub people the wrong way, no matter if it's white, black, brown, whatever is going on. It's just that clear point that he's not going to apologize for winning. And that's not always right. a bad thing or a bad quality to have. And uh, the other thing, too, bro, have y'all ever ran into this, bro? Because this conversation is making me think. So I, I got to ask y'all, have y'all ever ran into, because y'all know me, uh, I, I'm the, the king of doing a lot. Like, I'm always doing a bunch of stuff. Like, y'all, Trey, we've had the conversation. Like, Joy, you need to find some time to take leisure, bro. You need to relax. Yeah. And y'all know, like, me and Hell probably got the same. We definitely got the same problem. But y'all ever had, like, that conversation with somebody where, and I don't want to sound assholeish coming off this way, but there's certain times, and this has happened to me in my life, bro, where I'm telling somebody, like, bro, I really have a lot going on. I'm not able to do the things I'm doing or have these conversations or whatever the case may be. And it strikes something in them like they're like, and you don't think I got something good going on? Like I'm not doing a lot. And it's like, bro, me saying that I'm doing a lot doesn't necessarily say I'm not, you're not doing the same amount. But I'm telling you from my perspective and quite call a spade a spade. There are some friends and this is not to shit on them in any type of way, but there are some friends that, holster a lot of the things nobody's doing the podcast as much as we are on top of work going to school do just life in general which life is just enough by itself like bro we're hand we're juggling a lot and we dedicate you know a lot of consistency to it so a lot of people don't have that load on them not to say that they're not doing great things in their regard but i'm not gonna i'm pretty sure they I want them to understand, and I think from the Dion angle, I think it's the same thing, is that just because I'm walking in my confidence doesn't take away from your light. Like, it doesn't diminish what you got going on. How about you embrace who you are? You know what I'm saying? Just as much as I embrace you. ain't got to do it the same way as me, but I think that's a lot what's going on, too. Trey, what is your take on that? I would definitely say that, like, like how you were saying, like, you can both be in the light, like you can both shine type of thing. Like it's not like just because one person is doing so good in their life and that's your best friend, that doesn't mean you're less of a person or less of a good friend just because he's doing better in his life. Like I feel like people like to be demoralized by other people's success and that's not how you should feel. That should go as a motivation for you to like grind harder do this better. If you have a certain hobby that you have, that you're some trying to grasp on to, you're trying to go to that next level. Maybe seeing one of your friends make it to that next level will be like, okay, this is motivation for me. Or you could use them as a, as a ladder, as a step stool to get up to that point by asking them, what is the things that they did to break through that point? Like what was the turning point in their career, in their endeavor that they're going into that made them get to the point to where they're at the top? Or where that point that you want to go to. Absolutely. And point and shifting you, hell, like in terms of the confidence thing, right? And just the the way you walk about life, what is your take in terms of like how do you balance that with also because I don't want to, you know, come off again. I don't want to come off in an asshole way because you perspective is important. Like you don't want to just walk around and just be F the world. Like I don't think that's what we're trying to be about this podcast i don't think anybody personally is about that but it is a very thin line but at the same time i to accomplish great things you have to believe that you are good at it 
I really believe that. Like you have to know that you are good. The people that doing great things that, you know, role models, best believe every one of them know that I'm him. When it comes to this, I'm yeah. really good. And I think that's a very important piece. Like, so I want to get your take on that. Hell, what, where do you fall on this in terms of like balancing that line of, okay, I'm not just saying F everybody and just doing my thing and just rubbing everybody the wrong way. But on the same side, okay, I have to be authentic and confident in myself. Where do you see, uh, how do you go about balancing that line? I guess I'll start by asking you guys a question. Um, have you guys ever made too much money? <laughs> hey, bro. I don't think I'll make too much money. Uh, <laughs> That's a no, mean, but, um, by the way, man, know, for the ones that don't get it. Um, yeah, but that's a you good know, if one. you if you ever been fortunate enough, and I'm not particularly saying I'm just some high and mighty or anything like that, but if you ever been fortunate enough where you're the busy friend or you're mm -hmm. the more well off friend, or if you ever get put in that situation, you know, the one thing that you'll realize <laughs> is that it's not really that you're doing something special, it's more that you're just focusing more on the priorities that got you to that point. And you'll look back at your friends and you'll think, I, they could be right where I'm at if they just do X, Y, and Z. Or, I, you know, I'm not that busy. You know, they're just doing whatever. And uh, to answer your question, that's kind of where the mindset of everyone should be to where you, you should be confident and you should be happy with your own accomplishments, right? But also understand that what you did most of the time, it's nothing world-renowned. It's actually something that's very straightforward, something that's more routine, if anything. And that's what really got you there was the fact that you focused on it. And it's the same thing with anyone else. So if you feel like you're in that situation, you know, enjoy your accomplishments and have the confidence. Uh, but at the same time, be motivating for other people. You know, don't feel like you have to gatekeep knowledge. Don't feel like you have to keep things behind closed doors. Be that person to be like, hey, man, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. And again, it can really be something small, like I stopped going out on Saturday, something like that. I don't go out on Saturdays and I save that money. And then over time, that just builds up, mm -hmm. you know? So that, that would definitely be my advice. If you feel like you're a high achiever or you would like to be a high achiever, um, understand principles, you know, be very direct on what you want to do and how you want to do it. And then at the same time, you know, be helpful, be kind, be generous, uh, reach a hand back, help people if you need to, but don't be over-consumed with helping people because you can't help ever. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to sum it up. And just to wrap up our conversation with Dion and then, you know, get into the ending of this episode. But uh, I really believe like from, again, from an outsider perspective, like, you have to appreciate the things that he is doing because he stands very, very solid in who he is. One of the things that I think that all three of us value, you know, because of me knowing y'all, but I think we value like people that stand on the not on the wrong hill, but they stand on something, right? Uh, you know, a lot of us might disagree on something, but I think it's really, really important for you to have a moral belief system that you you're super grounded in and you're not coming off of. So the thing about that I love and I appreciate about Dion the most is that no matter the situation, like Dion remains Dion, like better or yeah. worse. 
Dion always remains the same Dion. Like he might have just lost a terrible Stanford game, and like that could demoralize you. But Dion remains Dion. I'm not sitting here saying he's not human. Like he don't have human emotions and stuff like that, or he's not disappointed, or he don't have fears or nothing like that. But I'm just saying that he, even though he might sway, he doesn't get off of the foundation of who he is. And I think that's a really, really important piece that I think that why a lot of people respect Dion is you might not agree. I don't agree with everything that Dion does. For example, like uh, with I do I do think that some of the shots that they get is kind of warranted because if you put I feel like if you put yourself out there to be very boisterous and all that, you got to be able to take the shots. And you know what the good thing about Dion is? He take them like it is what it is like Shador, like the bro every time. You know how many t- they ain't lost every time everybody throwing up this, bro. The Shador, bro. Like it go viral every week. Yeah, they lose, right? But he takes it because you know what, bro? If I'm if I'm gonna dish it out, bro, I gotta be willing to receive it. it is what it is. You, you put yourself out there. So probably I love that the game anyway. Right. Anyway, bro. So it don't even matter, man. But like I really, I really appreciate that they don't change who they are just because of the whole world taking shots at them. I think that's a commendable thing as a man. I think that's a commendable thing as a person. Even if I don't agree with you, there's a lot of people I don't agree with, but I appreciate that they stand on what they really believe, though. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I do want to wrap this up, though. But before we go, I got to get y'all's college football playoff predictions. All right, we in week eight. We in week eight. We got four more weeks. Also, we talked about this before we got on air, by the way. The two-pack awards, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but the two-pack awards will be – that will be happening at the end of the year, man. It might be a, a Patreon or something exclusive, but the two-pack oh, awards will happen. Just want to do that there. <laughs> that might be something, bro, like the two-pack – yeah, we, bro, we're going we gonna to set that up. But I'll, uh, getting back into it, college football playoff predictions, I need y'all four teams and go. I know the playoffs just uh, – they just came up with a little thing. No, it's four. It's four and then 12 next year. Yep. Okay, 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 okay. I don't know. I'm going to go. I I don't think Georgia loses. I think they round it out. Georgia stays up. I think they beat Ole Miss, and I think they beat Mizzou, which is going to be two tough tests for them. But I think they beat them both. Very tough. I think they stay in the top four. I'm in the championship. Yeah, I still think they beat Bama. Okay. Bama. Bama. Oh, Georgia. That's all I'm gonna say. At Georgia. Okay, yeah. I agree. I'm gonna go Michigan. I think Michigan gonna take down Ohio State. Michigan's gonna Michigan's gonna stay up there. But then I still think that Ohio State make it. They just not gonna be third. Okay, with a one loss, Ohio State. Okay. You're gonna go Florida State, gonna round it out, win out, they're gonna be third. And I think Washington gonna have a bad loss. I think Penix gonna fold. We're going to have Ohio State okay. at four because, you know, they love to have Michigan and Ohio State both in the in the top four. They'd rather have two Big Ten teams in the top four. And okay. Washington just going to fold, and that's what it's going to be. All right, who you got championship? So you got – you will have one versus four. So that would be your – one versus four is what? Uh, Georgia versus Georgia, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, Georgia. Who and then got? I got – and I got Michigan over them. Georgia. Okay, Georgia, Michigan. Yeah, and then I got right, Georgia, man. Michigan. 
Who you got? All right. Well, uh, I think the year in Michigan's going to be the one. Okay. Okay. I got a Georgia. Georgia either going to lose next week to Mizzou or they're going to lose in the championship game. Oh, you're calling it? Okay. I mean, they got to get yeah, back. I'm calling, yeah. I'm calling okay. it. Okay. Uh, I don't believe in this Georgia team. I think they're extremely overrated, overrated and I don't think they're getting their okay. tight end back. Uh, Bowers, I don't think he's coming back. So. Bowers, yeah, that's a that's a bad um, that's a really that's a really bad loss. Yeah. Now with Michigan being number one, that would mean they whooped Ohio State, right? So I actually don't have Ohio State making the playoffs either. Okay. Uh, Okay. If there's ever a 1A, 1B, it's Georgia and Ohio State for two teams I do not believe in at all. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State hey, has one receiver. He has one. The okay. Ohio State has one receiver, and then the power of the state of Ohio. And that's it. Hey, bro. He is, he, is, so. he is disrespectful. He is disrespectful because a Mecca of uh, – Abuka for Ohio State. He's a good number two receiver, by the way. But I'm gonna let you get your rocks off. Keep going though. Yeah, he's a nice receiver, bro. He's gonna be a, he gonna be a top. Uh, he's gonna be a, t- a second rounder for sure. But go ahead, hell. I got Florida State coming in at number two. Okay, that, that team is. I mean, I can see them winning at all. Yeah, that, is a, that is amazing. You team. know, I'm only Keon Coleman fan, bro. Yeah, you are Keon Coleman, Coleman fan. The only person that's suspect is the QB for Florida State. That's the but they he's playing it, good. Yeah, come on, bro. That's it. Hey, bro, you ain't gonna disrespect uh, a quarterback named Jordan. All right, no Jordan Travis slander. All right, we know Jordan Travis slander on this podcast. Keep going though, brother. Keep going. All right, who you got the three? The three. I got Washington. I got Washington. Washington. Now, I I will tell you, there's no one happier that the Pac-12 is getting demolished than me. I do not like the Pac-12 in any way. Ever since Jordan bought the Pac-12 channel back when we were in college, I hate the Pac-12. You're nasty. I hate everything about it. Oh, who I didn't game personally buy it, bro. Saturday, bro. <laughs> no, who does that consistently every Saturday? Bro, they on the and West Coast, crazy. bro. Like, and, come on now. And you drunk at the bar? You could be watching. So what's football. frustrating about the what's See? frustrating about the Pac-12 is that anyone can literally beat anyone. You even like an Arizona team. Like Arizona can go in. They almost beat Washington, but. Teams okay. like that, you know, you just never know every week. So every week they can win just as much as they can lose. But I like Washington this year. I think they pull through. Uh, I have them in the number three spot. And then number four. Four. Y'all going to hate me for this one. Hey, man, I, I got to go with Texas, man. Yes. That's nasty. Oh, my God. That's nasty. <laughs> Quinn Ewers is hurt, by the way. You going with a hurt? I got Texas yours? coming back from the dead. Yeah, they're gonna figure it out, man. I got them Archie coming back from the dead. Wingo's new home. Yeah, that's... all I gotta say is, man, they they got some good coaching down there. Them boys, them boys look good. All right, 
It looked good. So uh, that's what right, I let's, got. So it would be Michigan, your, Texas, what's, what's, and yeah. then it would be Florida State, Washington. Florida State, Washington is going to be game of the year. They might put up okay. uh, 50 points each. Okay. I'm going to have Florida State edging oh. out of that one. Okay. And then Florida State, Michigan, Texas, I got, I got Michigan. I think Michigan's the best team in college football right now from what I've seen. Uh, we'll just okay. see what happens with this little okay. cheating scandal they got. See if they steal some signs. Hey, so then we got Florida State and everybody steals signs. I don't care what it is. I that used to sit up in the locks. I was hurt. Mug. They would tell me, "Look and see if you could pick up some signs that they doing to help our defense out." Allegedly, Story. there's probably a few stories we got about that. <laughs> like, no, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We, we might touch on that. We might touch on that. But, uh, and then finally, finally, Michigan. It's all cap. They just trying to find a way for Michigan to go down. Yeah, yeah. I can see that though. I can so see then, that. Go ahead though. Hell, what's your what's your yeah. last one? Oh. So then finally, it'd be Michigan and Florida State. Uh, anytime it's North versus South, wherever's going on, I'm picking this other team. So I pick Florida State to win it all. Not if it's um, not if it's as much as I love Michigan and how they're the best team in college football, they still run that 1980s style power eye offense. And any team with half a defensive line is going to shut that down, so then they're going to have to throw the whole game. So I, I like Florida State in that one. Florida State and okay. Okay. Gets, a great game. gets it done, gets it done. Okay, so it's on me to wrap this up. Okay, don't ever disrespect the pro eye. That's what I ran in high school. Okay, don't ever That's do that again. That's nasty. That I did run the pro eye in high school, man, which is really crazy because I, yeah, that was really crazy for my athletic ability. I literally won state and track, but I'm over here handing off 95. But okay, whatever. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're going on to the college football playoff. I right, here we go. Number one, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Michigan. Number one. Uh, I think they've been the most well-rounded. Um, I don't believe in this Ohio State team. I think that'll be the toughest test. And then they're going to play probably like a Wisconsin or a Nebraska in the championship, which I'm not going to slander my state because I, I usually do that. But that's not going to be that's not going to be anything. They're even worse. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I got Michigan number one. Um, number two, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to go with Georgia at number two. I think they went out. Um, I think they won some squeaky games. I think they end up having a, a two close games during the regular season. And then they actually, I think they get healthier at the end and dominate a Bama team, which, I mean, I'm a fan of. I'm not saying I'm a fan of Bama, but I do like Bama. But I just don't. This This team just doesn't have it. So I got them at number two. Number three, I have Florida. State, Florida State, I think they run through the rest of ACC. I think their only remaining challenge, challenging game is at Florida. Um, I do see that being a slip-up game, though. At Florida, senior day, in the swamp, night game. It's a rivalry. I think that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. And Florida is terrible. Florida is terrible, but, uh, you know, it's any given Saturday. So I got Florida State. They got Florida State winning that, and they played Louisville in the ACC championship. They win that game. And number four, y'all ready for this one? This is going to be an unpopular opinion. 
the best team in college football I've seen over the last couple weeks. I got Oregon at number four. I think Oregon wins out. They are one lost team to Washington. Um, I, I, they only lost by one. I think they run the table. They have looked way better than Washington has the rest of the year. Washington barely beat a terrible Arizona State team where Michael Penix threw like three interceptions. I think they won just off of a pick six. I think they at home. Um, but Oregon has looked – I'm not an Oregon fan. Y'all know I'm not big on Bo Nix at all, but they have looked – I watched what they did at Utah. That was crazy. They beat up Utah really bad last week. So, to conclude, all right, what we got? Michigan versus Oregon. I got Oregon winning that. I think they're hot. I think Oregon is hot. I got Michigan beating or- – like. That's another upset. I don't believe in Michigan, bro. I just don't. I think when they get to these big spots, like the championship, like they did last year, they lost TCU. I think they freeze up, bro. Oregon has looked really, really good, and Bo Nix is playing his ass off right now. So I got Oregon winning the upset. Then I got Georgia, Florida State. God, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going to go with Florida State. I'm going to go Florida State over Georgia. I think it's a close game, maybe like an overtime game, double overtime game type thing. Um, but not having Brock Bowers hurts. I think that really hurts them at the end and not having a weapon. Carson Beck makes some mistakes at the end. And then we got Florida State versus Oregon. That will be a dope matchup. What y'all think about that matchup? I think that's a great national team. That's a great national champion. You got weapons everywhere, bro. Everywhere. I'm going to go with Oregon winning that. I think, or and I'm not. I hate Oregon, but I just think they're really hot. They've been playing really well. That defense looks really good. Bo Nix is just. I watched what I, what I saw against Utah. I'm like, bro, I don't know. Like this looks like a really great team. I got Oregon winning that. Um, I think Jordan Travis makes mistakes late, and I did say I wasn't going to slander him, huh? But I do think he makes mistakes late against Oregon, and Oregon wins the national championship. What y'all think, man? Do I got some good rationale on that? I'm over here to shake some shit up, bro. Shake some shit up. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Well, yeah, man. Uh, um, I, I mean, we'll just have to see. You know, Bo Nix, he might be the same age as my supervisor, who's in his mid forties right now. Uh, <laughs> He also might have a wife and kids at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he is married. Bo Nix is, I think, but whenever Bo Nix is done, I he's either going to be a, a car salesman or he's going to be a college recruiter for Oregon. He's going to go right back and get kids to sign up. Right, this is see, he being disrespectful, man. He being disrespectful. But yeah, man, I'm I'm really yeah, excited no, to see I how mean, these uh last. No, you're disrespectful. You're disrespectful. Very, very disrespectful. Hey, listen, bro. I do not believe in Bo Nix not one bit, bro. I, I'm gonna let you know that right now as a college as a NFL quarterback. But he has had a really good season. I cannot discredit him. But we're running up on the time, bro. So it was a great episode today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back in what four weeks to you know. Oh, uh, no, nah, maybe a couple more months for the two pack awards. So stay 
tuned for the two pack awards. It's personal, as you can see, with these glasses, man. Shout out to my boy, Coach Prime and Boulder. We need to have him on. Uh, you know, I'm manifesting that, bro. We gonna have Prime on the on the pod, um, in a year, bro. So stay blessed, everybody. Continue to tune in again. You know, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff, man. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.